Hello and welcome to episode 19. My name is Ross. And I'm Craig. And it's time to put the kettle on because it's tea time. Uh, yeah, so I'm up first for news. You so are. this week I have a few things. It's, uh, it's been an up and down week, different bits and pieces. So I'm going to chat through the key ones. And I'm going to quick fire the rest. But um, yeah, before we start, let's cover the elephant in the room, the uh, US election. Ah, yes. Uh, so Biden has won, yeah? Uh, well, according to the latest poll, 80% of Americans agree that he, that he has. But Only, eight, uh, only 80, okay. <laughs> only 80, but bear in mind, 49% of them voted from the first place. Um, maybe we shouldn't take them to, you know, what, and these polls have been generally wrong. Maybe we shouldn't listen to that too much. But um, I'm going with yes. I actually watched, um, I didn't really know much about Joe Biden, really. But I, so I watched a couple of uh, interviews he had. And I watched um, uh, the the speech he did at John McCain's funeral. Mm. He's my conclusion was he's a good guy. I think America needs him because, frankly, they've been a joke for the past four years. So, um, yeah, I, I I I hope it doesn't go get un, you know, overturned. I hope the baby in the in the White House uh, shoves the dummy in his mouth and buggers off. Frankly. The uh, the orange menace as he's been dubbed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, there's there's so many things that he could do. Apparently, I mean, he could just disclose aliens exist. We have them. <laughs> it's like cool. Okay. I mean, what type of secrets does he have that he could share? Uh, Loads of things could. Uh, yeah, he could be very vengeful, as we discussed last time. And it does seem like he's gone down that road. So. Oh, anyway, he I definitely has. He definitely has. Yeah, I want to get out of the way um, just so we can just have something happen this week. Fairly, fairly topical. Um, yeah, but either way, about. <laughs> <laughs> it, for, for a moment there, COVID got taken a back seat because of it, uh, but now it's back at the front and centre. Yeah, I mean, the good thing from our perspective is that hopefully that means the US should be rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement. Um, that Donald Trump so famously yeah. left. So hopefully, um, now that they are officially out as of um, the actual election day, they can get back in at least, and Biden can do that. Hope so. Cool. Uh, other than that, uh, we've got some positive news. So we have a possible COVID-19 vaccine. I'm sure you've heard of this. 90% been... effective. Yep been all over the news um it's basically saying life will return back to normal in springtime spring next year yeah so here is that hope uh, i mean right now the vaccine itself um it's an american vaccine and it's got some funky logistical problems i'm not sure if you've looked at these before but no. um, it basically needs to be stored at minus 60 degrees between minus 60 and minus 70 i believe and uh, can only be delivered in batches of a thousand which have a lifespan of a week so okay you can't just go give a gp use ten thousand you've got a week to use them and you also need to keep them refrigerated to minus 60. that seems really that's awkward not, that's not refrigerated is it that's 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 a industrial freezer that is 
<laughs> yeah, keep them in the nitros. Um, but yeah, the, the vaccine itself does seem to be a very clever hack. Um, it's, what it actually does is it symbolizes the body to create a certain type of protein, which is a foreign protein, which is used by the virus. Uh, that protein itself is then attacked by the body's immune system. It kills that protein and learns to kill it and learn it's a, um, a problem. And that protein, which is used by the virus then, when it gets into your body, your body will kill the protein. Not the okay. virus, but without the protein, the virus is harmless. Okay. So it's very ingenious, and it doesn't involve injecting you with COVID. You just get a which protein nice. marker. Which is nice, yeah. Very smart. Um, apparently, there's some super amazing technology around this. Probably why it needs to be stored at minus 60. Although I did hear the um, the Russians had have already won up to that because that one's only ninety percent and theirs is ninety two percent. I know nothing more than the number. That is all I know. You know it's just like, oh, uh, what? Uh, yeah, well, ours is ninety two, so you should use ours. Yeah. I mean, has Russia even got COVID over there? I haven't heard anyone say anything. Well, they, they made a vaccine, so one presumes they have. I mean, I got, got some friends in Belarus, and uh, they just didn't have any lockdown at all. And their way around COVID was uh, vodka and saunas. And they were actually officially recommended by their, their health minister. Well, on that basis, I think I'll use the, whichever, whoever made this one, I, I'll use that one. I'm, I'm not worried about the extra 2%. It's fine. They can keep it. Yeah. I mean, the, the cool thing is... Uh, vodka, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It needs to be... Yeah, hasn't hasn't got to be stored at minus sixty. It just needs to be downed with a, an entire liter of vodka on the head. <laughs> but um, the cool thing in the virus, obviously, is uh, the vaccine. So there are multiple vaccines, as you've said. Um, the UK one, which has been built, designed, etc., in Oxford right now, is going through its final rounds of testing. And assuming that's going to get some PR behind it, that should be out by spring too. So. Now, the idea is that the 90% number is not really effective for older people, whereas the Oxford one is. So right now, the flu virus, uh, the flu vaccine, there's different types which target different types of people. So, I mean, the COVID one is going to be the same. There'll be, say, five different types of vac uh, vaccine, and different people will have different ones, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Um, oh yeah, that's the one. That's because the vaccine's out. Obviously, things are starting to re-settle down a bit, and it means the stock market is looking pretty good. Um, yeah, I think it had uh, its best day in at least several months. Um, however, um, part of the reason it did so well is um, uh, is also re related to the um say the election um and the fact that uh it looks like the senate is going to still be republic majority so from the stock market's perspective or the american stock market's perspective um that means that probably nothing will get done because there'll be disagreements between the house and the senate uh, and they like that because all the possible policies that might get brought in that's detrimental to their uh personal tax announces or whatever else um uh, probably won't get put through so uh, I think it's more 
well, it's not more to do with that, but it has it has that as well. Mm. Oh, okay, that's good and bad, I suppose, but stable at least. Uh, yeah, well, it's been it's been up, up, and up, and then the last uh, today was been it was, it was quite a stable day. Um, so it looks like it's found its new sort of level, which is comforting for me personally because you know I invest a lot so cool okay well talking about stocks um our very own chancellor uh rishi senek um has also announced the uk's first green gilts which will be coming next year yeah. so this is a it's a bid basically to capitalize on the growing demand for assets that fund environmentally friendly projects um as we've discussed plenty of times there's so much potential right now with the offshore wind, uh, but obviously there are multiple of other projects too. Uh, the market itself has grown substantially um, and is now worth 189 billion, which is uh, roughly 3.5% of the bond market. And that's just green bonds. Obviously that's globally, not the UK just yet. Yeah, from what I understand, the EU ones that were launched a little while ago were, have been very, very, very popular, so. One would presume the same would be uh, would be the same case in the UK. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely would. In um, some sort of a uh, poll recently about um, I don't know why I keep referring to polls because we all know they're rubbish. <laughs> um, uh, about what the UK wants in terms of trade deals, um, environmental protection was was quite high up on that. Was like in the top three things that we cared about. That and obviously. Mm. Current, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's looking pretty good because the UK is looking to set, um, set the standard as such, really kind of enter the market and set an example to other governments of they should also release their own green bonds, uh, which I think is just fantastically ambitious for the UK. Uh, I think, yeah, we're definitely pegging for the king of wind. And now maybe this going in for the king of green too. If we could be the greenest country, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there for us. Yeah, there's a few countries ahead of us at the moment, but um, but yeah, yeah, but no, we're, we're, it, uh, it's definitely moving in the right direction. There's a lot more, there's a lot more news in that, in that area than there has been, you know, we were struggling to find stuff in that, you know, there'd be like the odd phrase that someone had said, oh yeah, well, we, we're gonna do this. Whereas now you're seeing more and more things actually happening more um, mm. announcements that are real as opposed to just hearsay and conversation. Yes. Um, anyway, in other news, uh, we found a way to turn a nutrient-rich human waste product into solid fertilizer. So before you guess which human waste product, um, in effect, this is growing tomorrow's... Is it my... Is it my... No, it's not. Have that many waste products to choose from. Sorry, I interrupted you, Karen. No, I mean that was, that was definitely the obvious one. But uh, yeah, the, like maybe you can get a better pun for this too. I couldn't think of a better pun. I know there's one there, but the way I've kind of seen it is, in, in effect, this is growing tomorrow's food biz without whiz. Oh, okay. So you can see yeah. where it is. There's a, there's a better pun there. Have a think on that pun while I read the rest of the story. Right. Um, yeah. So. 
that's that's right. Our, our number one is full of phosphorus and nitrogen. Uh, two things a plant can't live without. Uh, the problem right now is that uh, we urinate mostly water. So farmers would need to spread uh, up to 15,000 kilograms per hectare just to be useful. So fortunately, help, helpful scientists have come along and they found a way to convert our wee into an alkaline solution, which could then be reduced into a solid fertilizer. And they kind of look like little brown balls, like rabbit food. And yeah, with these little brown balls, they're a lot easier to spread into the soil. And they're also cheap and easy to create too, which is uh, really good. And they give an example of an average family of four could convert their yearly wee for about four pounds. Is it something that you that it gets sent off somewhere and then gets dealt with, treated, and then comes out of something else, or are we so talk way, about something that you like install in your toilet? You can install yourself, but the way this has been suggested is there are special toilets as such, which yep. kind of separate your wee and the feces, etc. Um, and then there's an alkalizing agent, which is roughly four pound a year. Uh, which gets mixed and then it can essentially be uh, reduced at heat um, and it stops the urea from smelling as well apparently so the actual little balls are scentless um, yeah and all you need is that alkalizing agent to be able to sort out your wee then that can be sent off so I mean this is just a service chain business waiting to be created where farmers are buying local people's pee okay all right so yeah have a week <clears throat> of a tree that sort of thing that's all you're after yeah yeah or, i mean or even, or even have a pea grow some peas <laughs> yeah yeah pea um, for peas pea for peas see i mean that's that's the business right there pea for peas you go door to door Buying people's pee. And then add the alkalizing agents, do your special condensation thingy mobs, and then uh, go flock them to a farmer. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, whilst well, you've got the compost toilets, yeah. where they already separate the ones from the twos, um, and the twos are effectively collected up to essentially become fertilizer anyway, aren't they? Um, I'm not quite sure what happens to the ones. I think they just just gets emptied out on the floor, basically. Um, but with yeah. this agent, I'm guessing we could use that too. I suppose you can. If there's somewhere to collect it or such, I mean, most of it's water. So I'm not sure if the compost toilet would be, I don't know, maybe catching the urea, which is kind of what you want. Um, maybe that's getting caught somewhere, and then all that comes out is water. But it's the actual phosphorus and nitrogen in the wee is what you want. Mm. Well, if yeah. It, if you can turn it into a little pellet, then it can just roll out the bottom and land straight in the garden, couldn't it? It'd be lovely. Great stuff. Perfect, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, I can't imagine just uh, just you peed into something and on the other side just comes up, you know, little little cocoa balls. Yeah. Be magic. Magic. And and of course you'd you'd have no issue eating food grown in urine because right now all the food is grown in crap. Whether it's ours, cows, sheep, whatever, 
that's just ge generally good fertilizer. Yeah, adds flavor. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't think you would be an issue. Um, yeah, so next up, bit change of pace. Uh, do you remember we discussed the Beyond Meat partnership with McDonald's? Mm. And yes. how that was uh, a good thing. Well, it should get um, uh, people that, well, first of all, for the people that actually want to have um, vegetarian burgers who can't currently have them uh, when they go to McDonald's, good for them. And also wouldn't give those that are curious to give it a try and realize it's not that bad. All around oh. uh, so yeah, so McDonald's, obviously part of that partnership, have uh, created what they're calling the McPlant burger. So I, I believe the McPlant is the uh, platform as opposed to the burger, as in a okay. burger is going to be something like a PLT. <laughs> take on okay. the PLT. Okay. I mean, either way, whatever it is, is coming to a face near you in 2021. So look out for that. Um, whatever it's called, the Birking's alternative is the Impossible Whopper. Uh, which has apparently had good success. Uh, have we tried that before? I have had both the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Meat Burger. I've not had a planned version, but um, uh, and I thought they were, I mean, they were very close, to be honest. Um, but I think I preferred the Beyond Burger ever so slightly. Um, but to be honest, there wasn't an awful lot in it. Um, but yeah. So in general, happy. I mean, do you, do you like Whoppers? Like, is it oh, just I love a Whopper? A... Yeah, yeah no, I, I love the actual Whopper. You know, the, um, I, I do like, whereas the McDonald's burgers, I was never, or not as keen on them. I, I you know, mm. I have always enjoyed a proper um, Whopper. So um, it's yeah. for me to eat that one. But um, I do generally replace most things with uh, meat, uh, with non-meat now so um, and some of the steaks that you can get are amazing to be honest they are they're really really good genuinely I think the, pro the problem that people most people have is they, they try to eat the thing they're going their brain's going does it taste like it normally does whereas you just need to kind of go does this taste nice because if you do yeah. that then you know you don't it's the expectation of what it should taste like, which makes you go, oh, I don't like it. Uh, I, had a, I had that in the worst possible scenario. When I was at school, someone gave me an orange drink. Turned out it was peach. Couldn't stand it, spat it out. Um, but had I known it was peach, I probably would have gone, mm, okay, it's not, I'm not a big a deal. But it was such a shock that I, that I you know, I was like, ugh, it's disgusting. And I think that's what people do when they, they go eat a burger to go, I'm expecting it to taste a certain way. Mm, that tastes weird. So you just need to go, okay, this is something new. I'll try it. Oh, it's all right. Fair enough. Um, isn't that what the EU was debating recently, the idea of uh, can vegan burgers be a thing? Like a burger is a meat thing. So should vegans effectively have their own thing? How do like, you mean? I don't know, like a vegan sandwich, not a burger. That's, that was actually a debate in Europe recently, the European uh, naming regulations. Oh, I see. I think, I think a good name would be actually quite useful because um, my, my niece, for example, has um, an issue with the idea of eating fake meat. So on the one hand, she wants to be, she wants to be vegetarian, she wants some naughty animals, but at the same time, she doesn't want to eat something that's trying to be. 
substitute yeah yeah so um but the problem is that a sausage is not really anything other than the shape of it that's, that's all it really means the sausage is just that that you know the long tubular shape and, and a burger isn't really anything either um although patty is probably a better description of the shape of it um but that's the problem we have is we have lots of words which we've already associated to mean something yeah but those are the words as you said give you a psychological image or a taste of all those things are so yeah. if they were reinvented they need, you know they need it's, it's not it's not a sausage roll it's not a hot dog it's not a burger it's whatever yeah then you reinvent the palate exactly so i think that's probably a good thing and i think people should take that on board yeah just coming up with a good name isn't it it is i mean it's I mean, hard but that... stick is often used which is weird as in like veggie sticks hmm but yeah how do you describe something that is well and, and what shape do you make it do you know what i mean like because you can make it any shape you like ultimately can't you yeah i, th I think the burger shape is fine i mean because like the burger comes from it's a place in germany isn't it that's where that's where it was invented that's why it's called after that place, burgers something. I, I think they need a new word completely. Oh, slider? That's been proposed. Something like that, yeah. Just, you know, I'll have, a, I'll have a slider. Not a veggie slider, just a slider. Simple as. Yeah. So not like a veggie burger, just basically drop the whole word of veggie between things. Yeah. Like, it's not another thing. It's automatically, obviously, vegan. Because, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah no, I, I absolutely agree. It is just a marketing problem. Cool. Well, the EU, uh, they did go against banning the use of vegan products, calling themselves burgers or hot dogs. I think if they did actually ban it, yeah, it would have caused some issues. But I think, you know, it would have forced some creativity. Um, I don't think you need to necessarily ban it. I think I think someone somewhere will come up with a with a word and as a mark, literally as a marketing thing, and then it will get it will catch on. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it will at some point. Maybe maybe that person have a have a brainstorm. Write in the comments. Yeah. Um. So for a final bit of news, um, one um a bit close to home for me in Wales is. Uh, the Welsh government has a project, which is amazing. I'll tell you about in a second. But they have chosen the first sites for that project. And uh, that project is the National Forest. So they are proposing to build a forest interconnected the entire width and breadth of Wales. No way. Really? One massive connected forest of the entire country. Yes. Where? everywhere but like you know there are houses so you, you know, uh, oh, but it's going to be going to be connected it's not going to take all the land but like literally you know like margin like rivers but all forest anywhere they can plant trees they will and it'll all be connected right so that you so you'll literally go from top to from north to south east to west and uh, any that you'll be able to get to every border of wales via forest yes that's the plan. But we still have roads going between the two or not? Um, At some point, you've got to go up through it, surely. I don't know. I mean, how, how would you define the distance between two trees to be different forests? I don't know. Well, is, is a road width enough? I have no idea. And, but then being connected would presume that you know, a road would 
disrupt that interconnectivity unless there was some means by which you know i don't know i mean a motorway definitely will and wales has a big one so i'm not sure how they're going to get around that unless uh, i suppose the motorway does end at Carmarthen, so they could just build around the left back end uh, yeah but yeah it needs a bit more clarification i mean it sounds great but um defining uh, connected. yeah <laughs> obviously it's a very long-term project um sorry is this game approved or proposed um, it's approved. It's a project that's happening. Wow, awesome! Uh, and they've chosen the first few sites to start. So this project hasn't started yet. It's starting now. Um, they've already chosen a list of sites which will be proposed to start the national forest. Obviously, there's plenty of forests in Wales already, which I assume they'll adopt into the national forest once uh, they connect them. Yep. Um, gets a lot of positive media. So Yolo Williams, who's a uh, wildlife broadcaster, has given his full endorsement. Um, and he's completely celebrated the idea. And he adds that uh, the National Forest will restore, enhance, create woodlands, habitats, and connected ways across the length and breadth of Wales. With the right species of tree planted in the right place, it will also inspire well-being through creative love for outdoors for future generations. Overall, establishing strong, sustainable landscapes and habitats. Um, either way, extremely exciting Welsh project. Uh, can't wait to see the stick players. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that more. That sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. And um, before I hand, can we just do the round? We'll do the round of applause. We'll just yeah. give us a Wales, shall we? Well done, Wales. All Come of on, Wales. Put yourself out, son. <laughs> I mean, an inter interconnected uh, English forest would be amazing. I mean, you, you've got the wind farms, so you could be king of wind. We could be king of forests. That's I'd cool. rather be king of forests. <laughs> Well, you better move it before we're independent. And B, yours doesn't kill birds. <laughs> you know, ours comes at a price. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, before I hand back over to you, I got some quick fire news, as I mentioned at the beginning. Um, so I'll just fly through these bits and pieces. So the UK health professions are calling for a climate tax on meat. So how about we do um, faces again? Because that seemed to work. Yay or nay? Um, yay. So we're going to tax meat. Cool. Uh, Arctic time capsule from 2018 washes up in Ireland as polar ice caps melt. I think we can all agree. Bad. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea where they put it, but obviously not in that far. So they, so they, 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 they dug a hole, put this... So a capsule, was it? Yes. And then it's melted the ice around it, so it's come back. And it's I mean, the just, island. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it, it would be funny if it wasn't... Tragic, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, thumbs down now. Uh, robot soldiers could make up a quarter of the British Army by 2030. Oh, God, that sounds terrifying. Um... <laughs> Um, oh, I don't even know. I'm not sure on that one. Like terrified, on the... for, terrified for who? The enemies or the other 75% of soldiers who've got to fight alongside these things? Like, on the one hand, obviously, if you're in the military or you've got, you know, no sort of is the idea that they won't have to go and, so, you know, a robot does it instead. Fantastic. If there's actually a war, though, I'd... 
the idea that we end up with robot wars, which end up just you killing us as a sort of, um, what's the word? Uh, something damage. What's the word I'm looking for? Where we get so, killed so. by accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, you know, that sounds, I mean, that sounds Terminator-esque, doesn't it? It does. So, um, I don't know where I feel of that, that one. Um, on the one hand, I don't want people to die. If it's just a deterrent, great, thumbs up. If it means there's actually going to be likely to have a war and they're just going to start taking everyone out, then that's definitely a thumbs down. Don't spend money on that. It's only a thumbs down, I think. Thumbs down. Thumbs just down, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm the first place, you morons. I'm middle. Um, final piece of news, Elon Musk hasn't teased the electric jet dubbed the Tesla Electric VTOL. He said he's too busy. Um, just, just a bit of news. And yeah, what news you found in your end? I saw that tweet as well. Um, everyone's desperately wanting him to do his VTOL jet, uh, which is cool if he does it. But he, he, he sort of said, ah, it's in the back of my mind. I could do it. It's fairly easy. I'm just too busy. <laughs> but like, he's been talking about that since that. I don't know if it was before this, but he, he did that cameo in, uh, was it Iron Man? Mm. Maybe Iron Man 2. I can't remember which one it was. I think I, it was Iron Man 2. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he sort of said, so like, I've got a really good idea for a jet. And then um, he sat down. <laughs> Very sad. But um, uh, so, yeah, he's been talking about this for ages. Um, but let's just stick to what he's doing, to be honest. He's probably doing a better job as he is. So um, uh, I think that's overall. Given that if he was doing that, he probably wouldn't be doing Starlink, and he probably wouldn't be doing um, changing how we all have cars and batteries. I'm gonna go with thumbs up that he's not doing a Vito engine jet because I don't need one. Who does? Well, indeed, nobody. Um, right. So my news. Um, most of mine are very. Um, Formal, I guess, is the right word. Um, so starting with the Environment Agency, uh, launching a flood action campaign for 2020 to coincide with Flood Action Week, which runs from the 9th to the 15th of November. Did you know that was such a thing? Um, I have no idea that was such a thing. Week. Um, Wales had pretty bad floods in January this year. I mean, that's entirely forgotten about because everything happened. But... Yeah, that's pretty bad. Is flooding a thing in November? No, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the warnings out before the winter. Right, okay. Um, so basically the piece was talking about how, because of partly because of COVID, but partly because of just the direction we were going in anyway, um, everyone's using their houses a lot more. Um, they're using it as offices, they're using it as gyms, they're using it as hairdressing salons, they're using it as classrooms for the people that are self, um, they're teaching their kids at home. So our, our houses are far more important to us. I mean, they're pretty important anyway, but they're even more so now. So um, uh, for that reason, they're trying to raise awareness about whether people uh, are aware of floods. Apparently, there was a percentage. What was the percentage? It was 12% of people don't even know whether they're even in a flood risk area. So it was just, it's, just trying to, it's just trying to get everyone's um attention but yes flood action week is this week um sounds mm. like a uh that was fun as a wet weekend 
Anyway, um, all right, so next up we've got... Um, uh, this, is quick, this is a quick thing before we move on, I'm sorry. 12% yeah. sounds really, really low. Like, I have no idea if I live in a flood zone. I assume I don't because it didn't pop up when I bought the house. But I don't actually know. I thought it would be the other way around. Like, 96% people have no idea if they live in a flood zone. I think most people find out when they buy the house. Yeah, but does that change over time? I suppose it does. I suppose it does a little bit, but not much. Like, you know, the sea's rising by 20 centimetres a year type of thing. You're going to get flooded if the rivers flood. And you know what to be... And if you're on certain low ground. So I don't know if you ever looked at that, um, as that website for uh, predicting where the floods are going to be, um, you know, should the ice oh, uh, yeah. melt. Um, in fact, I said it to you a few weeks ago, I think, didn't I? To say that you're, yeah. you're okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I'm not worried. Like all of Wales is fine pretty much. Uh, no, you, you do get flooded eventually. About at about in in the range, about halfway through the range, you start getting you know a swimming pool in your back garden. I do because I'm I'm only five miles from the sea, so I'm quite flat land for Wales. But I um, mean, by the time my house goes, majority of England's gone. So, uh, well, I mean, so here, obviously, I'm quite inland. Um, weirdly, my threat to flooding comes from the River Seven. Um, take flooding basically the whole of Bridgewater and coming this way. Um, but I had to, even if I, um, I put the chart right up to the absolute maximum, like the worst case scenario. And even then, um, like every house within half a mile was flooded, but this house wasn't. <laughs> so, ah, nice. So I could be living on some weird, um, uh, what do you call it? Slight, you know, riverside resort uh, in the worst case scenario. Um, so, yes. Nice to know. Yeah. Um, new government funding. 22.5 million is being given to tackle waste to boost recycling in textiles, electronics, metals, construction and chemicals. Apparently the UK mm. textiles industry alone emits almost as much as all private car usage. I can believe that. So yeah, it's a new, it's, it's the latest government um, attempt to build back greener. Um, is yeah, they're trying to um, work out ways of, uh, well, funding people to try and solve the issues in those areas, which is all good. Um, hmm. The UK's largest commercial rooftop solar system has been unveiled, unveiled even at the port of Hull. It's a 6.5 megawatt, megawatt array consisting of 21,000 solar panels. Wow. I mean, can't quite picture 21,000 solar panels. But what size are we thinking? Hmm? Like no, normal solar panel size. Yeah, 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 normal ones. Wow. Um, so I just thought I'd highlight that as a sort of like a so you know just to prove it's not just talk anymore things are actually happening there's that has been announced this week also the um uh company called mhi vistas installed their first and we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago the first floating wind turbine 9.5 megawatts um so again if we can produce a 9.5 megawatt floating turbine then we are 
definitely on the right path to being able to produce enough energy from wind to not require stupid backup coal or some such other things uh, to keep us going because technology is moving on at a fast pace yes even the numbers you just said there did you say it's 6.5 for the 21,000 solar panels and 9.5 for the wind turbine um i did so that wind turbine absolutely all over those solar panels so kind of even solar itself doesn't seem to be as efficient as wind is that because so particular us we're really windy or just I that little floating wind turbine is a beast um it does seem to be the case that um solar isn't it's just not great here yeah we don't have much sun do we so um i mean and they're in hull so they probably give you less yeah uh, so yes i think it is just not as efficient basically or not as you didn't soon get as much so stuff like factories which ultimately is what it's for yeah hell of a lot but then <laughs> we don't need that much so as in like individual houses don't need that much so there's perfectly fine yeah no i just had a complete um imagine then some guy who ever sold more solar panels just a proper dell boy oh no oh, we can retire the company early this year boys just sold twenty one thousand solar panels to hull <laughs> what's hull doing with solar panels i don't know <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um and then uh finally um just i just noticed it electric cars right so obviously we haven't talked about electric cars for a little while um because of um so this uh, uh, it was last month or the month before electric cars overtook diesel cars in terms of new sales more sales of electric cars than, than of diesel mm-hmm. um and because of that, that's prompted some companies, some websites to start launching. Here are the best electric cars that you could buy in 2021. So um, I, I, I had a look at a couple of these articles. Um, and the, uh, I came across whatcar.com. So I thought I'd have a look at their top sort of three. Um, unsurprisingly to me, um, Tesla Model 3 was number one on the list, um, which was then followed by the Peugeot 208, the Kia e-Niro, and then I was a bit surprised that the next one was the Porsche Taycan, um, and then after that, I think it was the Renault Zoe, which is a bit more, considering the Zoe, I think is the most sold one you'd expect that one to be slightly higher up. Um, Porsche Taycan is very expensive, um, but the others make kind of make some sense um so then i got, carried on looking i thought i'd look at a, another site and see what their comparison was and one of the sites that i came across was goodwood.com uh, and they had the 18 best cars for 2021 18 cars right 18 it did not feature a single tesla anywhere in the list it didn't even like bearing on 2021, which we could have included the Model Y, possibly the Cybertruck. Definitely the Model Y, not sure about the Cybertruck. Didn't include the Model 3, S, X, any of them. Talked about a whole bunch of other cars which haven't even been made or are ridiculously expensive. So I've decided that I'm not going to be the top three because, frankly, 
clearly this isn't fair journalism. <laughs> They're talking out the box. But actually, forget I mentioned it. Let's just move on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Forget them. Just forget uh, them. just just cut their name out. It's fine. I mean, you just. I know I'm a fat boy. I know I'm biased. I get it. But the top 18 cars. It's not even if it was number 18th, I wouldn't have mentioned it. But it wasn't even in in that list. It was nowhere. Do they have any electric cars? Kind of sounds like it's a general car list. No, they were all 18 electric cars. Oh, right. Okay. And it was all very, uh, like the Audi e-tron and the, the BMW's new one. They were all very much those cars. Just didn't mention it. Just didn't mention it. I mean, there's literally those manufacturers that I, I didn't even know existed. I didn't know what car they were making. So I don't know who the hell works at Goodwood. They should be ashamed of themselves for some dodgy journalism. Because that just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, what's the, uh, what's the opposite of round of applause? We decided the round of, round of abuse. <laughs> I don't know. You know disappointment. Just boo. I'm call them bad Shame. Now on. Shame. Bad <laughs> Yeah, just click now a site called uh, badwood.com and just replace every single car they review with a Tesla. Everything. Every single thing they do. <laughs> yeah, Best car of 2004, Tesla Model 3. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's all I have. Uh, what is the topic this week, Craig? Uh, okay, so something a little bit different this week. Um, I want to change the pace a little bit since we've got a couple of serious topics, perhaps. Fast so... Hmm? We're changing the pace to be faster or slower? Uh, a bit slower, a bit more, right. bit more, bit more thinky. Okay, so, so um, uh, yeah, let's just relax a little bit. So I thought it'd be interesting to have a little chat about a thought experiments. So, Hold something uh, I can't relax. You, you want me to think? Yeah, we can, you can think. You can relax your body. You just use that, that, that little bit of thing. You're supposed to think, and then educate me. You're making me. Oh. Well, that's not fair, is it? We're, right, both, we're both. We're both going to think in this one. We're going to educate each other. All right. Okay. And except I do all the research, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have an experiment, uh, a thought experiment, where we're basically going to try and think of a different way of how we currently live. So the thought experiment itself is an idea of a near future, hmm. where we rent everything and own nothing. Okay. So this was originally a tweet by the uh, World Economic Forum. Um, they've since deleted that tweet. It had a lot of backlash. Um, un unfounded backlash, in my opinion, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, instead, I found that same tweet being talked about on a good post on Reddit. So I had a dip in there, had a quick look at the general direction, and I think there's a good summarization of ways people feel. So let me start by setting the scene. Uh, it's 2028. Uh, we now live in a society where nothing can be bought and nothing can be owned. We can only rent. Uh, cars, homes, phones, hammers, whatever, they are rent only. Okay. So you're in this world. What's, what's the first thing you think about? What's, how do you feel about that? Um, 
well, I, my first video was bad. Like, um, uh, like, well, the basics, like your house. Um, uh, you know, the I've I've learnt that. Well, we all knew renting was bad, but I've learnt that there's a negative, a big negative to mortgages too. Um, and so owning something that you, that you fully own and then you can upgrade it when you've got, when you've got the money to do so is sort of my new discovery, if you like, in over the last five years. Um, so I wouldn't want to go back now. Uh, so that worries me a little bit. Uh, cars, not so much. Um, I mean, I do have a child, so the idea of having to rent thing and having it make sure that it's got the right, you know, it's got the car seat that I need or whatever each time worries me that someone will screw that up and I'll get the wrong thing and then I'll be screwed. Um, so that worries me. Other than that, I don't suppose there's an awful lot that I actually, I mean, were you talking about even furniture and stuff as well or? Everything. You own nothing. I mean, funny. you got eight, eight years to warm into this world. Yeah. I don't think I like it so far. Okay. Okay. So let's discuss, um, there's different aspects of this. I've got uh, society aspects, psychological aspects, environmental aspects, and capitalism aspects. And then we've got a couple of fors and against. But uh, yeah, come on, come with me on this journey. We'll just chat through it. And uh, please jump up with any questions as we go through. So we're going to start with society. So I think most of what you talked about there were society things and how you feel about certain things. So... Um, I, I kind of feel like we're very close to this uh, own nothing, rent everything world already. Um, the UK in particular, though, has a hard um, time um, giving up the idea of owning a home. Mm. Uh, 2003, um, people owning homes in the UK reached a peak of 71%. We are very much a, we must own a home. That's just kind of built into yeah. our society. Um, it's very much ingrained in our lifestyle. So um, we, we already think that way for homes, but as you say, other things like uh, music, for example, that's not something we even consider buying anymore. We already have subscription services where you can have access to the entire world's worth of music for £10 a month. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all in your pocket. Um, a rental house and car markets, are also very large. Obviously, people do rent uh, cars and houses. That's a thing. Um, the problem is that those markets are quite pricey right now, especially in the UK. Maybe not the best deal where you can actually have a mortgage, which is cheaper than renting, typically. So I would assume or suggest in this world, that would be the other way around. That rent would be cheaper because everything is rented. So you kind of flip that sort of um, relationship the other way around. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. Let me know when to jump in. Yeah, jump in whenever you want. But uh, the idea there is you would expect in a rent only world, there'd be more companies and they're cutting each other. Uh, that's already happened with the music industry, which is why we have all our music in the world for 10 pound a month. They keep undercutting each other until they get a rock bottom costs. And right now, that's £10 a month. That's £10 for Spotify, for Google, for Amazon, whoever. They're all roughly £10 a month. And they've all got to the point where, you know, we're only really paying the artists pence mm -hmm. per download. You know, we can't get away with any more. 
Um, so I, I would say that would happen for everything, homes, cars included. I'm mentally struggling with the, perhaps the extreme elements of this. So like, just looking around my I'm like, I have, I have trophies from when I was like, you know, in my twenties or whatever. Um, obviously I'm not going to rent that. That makes no sense. So how far does this go? I mean, well, I suppose the argument there would be, why do you have a trophy? I mean, yeah. you're a trophy probably because I was like, that was the time there and then, but I'm not, I'm not saying in 2020, everything you own today gets destroyed. You still have your things today. No, but what I mean is you will, through your life, you acquire, um, uh, not memorabilia, you know, like memories. Knickknacks. Yeah, exactly. So things that um, you keep because they are the, your identity. Um, sure, you know, you can't, you can't replace that stuff. So that, that's, that's what I'm proposing will change. That's probably a consumerist, um, materialistic mentality where those things mean something to you. You've, you've attached some sort of feeling to those things. The idea would be that our children may not do the same. Like we wouldn't get a physical trophy, they'd get a certificate, which is digital, for example. Yeah. Um, well done on sports day, you know, it's, it's in your email. I don't know. I, 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 my initial reaction to that is that I think that's innately human to, um, to want things, to, to, to hold things, to, to keep things that remind us of stuff. Um, our memory works better that way. Uh, so, and you know, with touch and stuff. So like, you know, when you, mm. when you pick up something that you've had for many, many years, it helps your brain to remember stuff. Can't get that from digital stuff. It just doesn't work the same way. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I don't think that will change. Like, okay. So like you see it hanging behind me, Ethan's medal mm. that he got when he did the, um, the climb, that's something that's important to him. And, um, I, you know, he wouldn't want that replaced. So I don't think you'll ever replace those items. I think you'll always have your knickknacks. Just too human to get rid of. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, very maybe. But I suppose that's, that's the point of trying to press into that world of this thought experiment. Um, but continue with the society angle. Right now, uh, renting a home is obviously very common in the UK. 29% um, of us rent in the UK, um, primarily millennials. And millennials are being classified as generation rent by the Telegraph. Right. And that's just kind of where they are. Primarily, they feel like they can't even buy a house if they wanted to, yeah. which that's just the way we live right now. So our kids may not even have a choice but to rent. So I feel like this age is coming upon us. And my superficial date of 2028 might be very true. We, we don't know. But um, the sharing economy, like for example, Airbnbs, um, are said to be worth 255 billion in 2025. Wow. It was worth 12 billion in 2015. Wow. So that's a hell of a jump. Um, a recent report from property company Hammerson found that 64% of millennials um, say they would consider renting products and more than half of them use sites such as Uber, Airbnb, compared to 16% of those over 35. 
Meanwhile, subscription services, including Spotify, drew in more than 60% of the British music revenues last year. That's more than CD, vinyl, download sales combined. Um, Clark, who is um, a typical millennium, and millennium, <laughs> like, what, what are they called? Millennial. <laughs> typical millennial, as quoted by the Telegraph, um, has basically said, when you're renting, uh, property or move house, you end up lugging around huge amounts of stuff. It's pointless and becomes a burden. So it makes sense to rent it all. I mean, I yes, absolutely. Um, you do end up taking stuff from house to house that stays in the same box. You know, same box, different house, just different yeah. somewhere. Um, so I can definitely see. I can definitely see a lot of. Um, people being willing to to rent houses and and cars and things like i said but um uh yeah i just don't, i just don't know for, for the very small things i, I don't know how we uh, you know but first of all we have paperwork half the time we have to carry that around with us because the tax thing tells us we have to so there, there is a certain level of you know having items that we have to keep because just society says we have to keep them but obviously if they get rid of those things then that would be a wondrous thing for everybody, <laughs> except for the yeah. whole issue. But yeah, but like stuff like your, um, well, okay. So we, I've talked about tiny houses and things before, and that's only that's something I've never really thought about before because I, you know, I am of the generation that says um, you need to buy a house. That's what my my parents taught me, um, and I've. Ex I've explored alternative ways of doing it. And the only reason I've done that is because of the, really because it comes down to the value of the houses being so extortionate mm. that you need another way. So I can see that system breaking to the point of going, right, well, young people can't afford to get a house. And so it, they're also, the, it, particularly that the younger millennial people uh, now are still not in a position, the position that they, are ready to go that's the house i'm going to live in forever certainly all no. that mentality of you going to live in the house that your parents grow up in and that you keep that when that's all gone or most of it's yeah. gone um but yeah because they can't afford it and there isn't really any other proper method of achieving uh ownership at that age if you want to be able to expand it then it makes perfect sense that you would rent so i think if they were able to provide rent at a sensible price um much cheaper than it is now then um and the, the ownership was way more expensive than then yes 100 percent. i think people would do it yeah so in, in this fictional world rent will become more attainable because it kind of has to our uh, different companies will undercut each other um and we already see this today in germany so probably you would never have known but germany is a is an example of a society that doesn't buy their houses. They rent. Uh, only 41% of Germans own their own home. Compared to 71% in the UK. Why is that? So mostly it's because of the war. 20% um, of their housing stock, 2.2 million houses were destroyed. And they basically just didn't buy a house because of that. They maybe weren't around or didn't need to wait. So they just got into a rental sort of thinking. And obviously this was back in the boomer generation before the millennials even came about. 
So just the attitude changed. The attitude of renting was a very normal attitude. Maybe, you know, things don't last forever. So rent. Okay. Uh, Germans aren't alone. Um, they are the second lowest ownership rates in the uh, Europe, only beaten by the Swiss, who are 39%. So, and they weren't leveled by a war. So they are just odd. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been said before. Uh, I mean, yeah. So the UK is 71%. So we're, we're on the upper end. Um, there are some more extremes, like Spain is 83%. They are the biggest. Uh, so they are obviously a very high degree of we must own a home. So you can see societies in Europe, we differ quite a lot from 39 to 83 of house ownership. Economy-wise, we're all first world country type of stuff. So, you know, there isn't any issue. Your average German is the same as average as an average UK person. So... They could buy a home if they wanted to. They just don't want to. Hmm. So it's, it's different societies. You can see if if you were German, this argument would be, yeah, of course. Yeah. Why would I buy a home? That would be very normal do you, to you. So, do you think it's tied in any way to job security? Because I feel like that's becoming less. As in, like, I think there's a correlation, albeit not necessarily causation, whatever the word is, um, hmm. between job security and ownership back when our parents had jobs they had a job and they would have that job and they keep the job for 40 years nowadays yeah. we switch around a lot more so there are periods where you potentially don't earn anything or whatever you, you know you, you have to switch between uh, how much money you've got so that makes renting particularly dangerous um obviously you still got the same issue with with mortgages but at least you could you know, you can take a mortgage holiday occasionally or, or whatever you need to do. Um, mm. Potentially slightly safer. Well, obviously, mortgages often are cheaper once you've done it for a few years. Um, but yeah, so not having job security, not knowing necessarily you're going to be able to make rent every single month for the rest of your life. Um, sounds like a bad idea. And if the Germans are not having own houses because they're worried that in... 20 years from now, there's going to be another war and then blow them up, then surely that's just a risk uh, setting, as it were. And then if, there's, if the normal jobs go and we all find ourselves out of work and we can't afford to pay our rent, will they have the same reaction to that and then go, well, renting is a terrible idea. We should buy a house. I mean, yeah, very maybe. Um, I'm not sure if the war, if it's going to happen again, is a determining factor for the Germans. Um, I mean, the Swiss, for example, were neutral during World War II. They didn't have as much as an issue. Um, yet that mentality exists. So I'm not sure why it is. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, the article I quote, and I will be linked, uh, it's worth a read because it's got a good full breakdown of the charts and how people and different countries rank. But it doesn't actually give any reasons as to why. I mean, there's obviously more studies need to be done in this area. But this is only a thought experiment. It's not a real thing. So these studies obviously haven't happened yet. I imagine they will. But going on from what you've mentioned earlier as well, the psychological aspect, I think it's very strong, uh, especially in the UK. And owning something is powerful. Uh, knowing something that, just, that you have and can't be taken from you um, is something we all strongly desire. 
And maybe that is innately human. Maybe that's something we all want. Maybe that's true. I think if we would, in this world, uh, legal changes would need to happen to protect renters. Yeah. Right now, obviously, renters are quite loose on legal terms, uh, but we would need strong legal protections in place. And with those in place uh, and a good education scheme to correctly market those changes, uh, I reckon we can overcome those feelings. The whole, uh, no one can take what you've rented. You have a minimum period of a year, for example. Maybe that's, maybe that's something you have. So when you're talking about a car with the wrong car seat, You've rented your car, you've rented your car, you've got a year. In a year, change of something else. That would be seen as a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense with um, with cars. It's much more released, isn't it, really? Um, yeah. That car seat eventually will just get out of use. And it'll go to someone else. Or if it's been an accident, just recycle it, make it into another car seat, whatever. Yeah, I mean, certainly you do go through periods of your life where actually you could do with changing the car over. Um, and if that was uh, easier to do, so you could literally go, I mean, that would be the great thing is if you could, and I think this will happen anyway, not by the means you're saying, but um, where you can basically hire whatever, or, yeah, hire whatever car you need. Um, so if you're going on, on, a, on a long trip, then you can hire exactly the car that you need for that thing. Because the problem we all often have is that we all want to get an estate car or something because uh, that there's that one trip that we do to you know yeah of England to see family somewhere or something, um, and so we buy a car on the basis that there's going to be one trip a year that we might need that extra storage. Yeah, uh, same reason Americans as we talked about buy pickup trucks, even though they don't use them ninety nine percent of the time. But one day they might need to take some chest of drawers somewhere, so they have to buy a pickup truck for that purpose. Um, so yes, yes, definitely see that people would want to be able to go. Actually, that's what car I normally have, but I'll just take it back today because today I want a different car. Yeah, you know, the, I don't have the kids for the weekend. Right, let's get let's have a Lotus Elise. <laughs> I mean, in, in this world, then, could we, could we re-envisage what owning really means? Um, I mean, like right now, for example, um, you said about buying a house. A typical person make a 30-year mortgage. Do they really own that house when they have a mortgage? I mean, they sort of are renting it, but from the bank already. So maybe we just need to reevaluate that feeling of, you know, what is secure and how we can feel good about that. If we can feel good in a mortgage, which is effectively a secure rental agreement, then maybe we could feel good in other things too. But a stretch for you? I mean, like, you know, well, you know, the reason that we want our house is so that, you know, we have something to give to our kids or something when, when, we, when we move on. But the idea of earning money and then taking 10% of it or whatever it is, and then probably more than that, uh, and giving it to, essentially what you're saying is an, a company to say, okay, you have my money, uh, make that person rich, because um, they're not going to do it unless they are making money out of it. And then at the end of it all, you own nothing. Um, you know, if you get old, you get sick, whatever, 
when you're retired, that point that you're supposed to pay it off, the reason you know your mortgage only lasts up until the point that you're retired is the idea is you're supposed to pay it off and then just sit in it and watch TV until you die. That's the idea. If you're still paying your rent then, then what happens? Because now you're not earning any money. So you've got pension or whatever just paying for your rent. I mean, that's, that's weird. Um, and at the end of it all, yeah, you, you die and then your kids get deadly squat. All the money that you spent over many decades just made someone else rich. So I, don't, I think that would, I think people would struggle with that one. I know I would. Comes on to the next point quite nice. Uh, the capitalist aspect. So this world would be seen as a, a communist utopia or dystopia or a capitalist utopia or dystopia. Um, it depends on your viewpoint, but I'm suggesting it's a capitalist utopia. Effectively, a capitalist wet dream. As you just said right there. Oh, that's cool. That's not a wet dream. Um, wet nightmare. Y y Yes. Sorry, I was in the capitalist wet dream in the sense that the person who owns the company's wet dream. Yes. Yeah, As in the people who, who are the renters. All right. But and, okay. I have a question. So like, you, we, yeah. you talked about minimalism and that other word, stoicism. Um, yeah. We have, at the moment, we have the option of being more stoic or more... Um, not not needing the extra bits and bobs by saying that you know we're going to keep that and we're not going to we're not going to buy other things if it, you know if it still works and we'll just use that as like we have a difference mm. to differentiate ourselves between that us and someone who's a bit more materialistic that benefit would surely diminish if you couldn't make do with stuff if you had to essentially because if you're renting you're essentially going to be renting always pretty decent quality aren't you you you're never going to be able to just have some worn out settee because you can you don't really care you always have to rent the new one or something yeah um yeah so i think that gives you less it feels like that gives you less freedom less opportunity to to be smart about your how you use your investment yeah, maybe. Uh, that one doesn't take that away from me. I'm like this sofa that I have. I it cost me fifty quid. I bought it secondhand. Um, I can't even remember how many years ago it was, and I I swear I've moved it for like three houses because it's it's just a good little sofa. But like, you know, uh, it's probably probably worked out about ten pound a year at this point. It's it's pretty good going. <laughs> But would I've got it for rent for ten pound a year? I don't know. Like I'm not sure you would have would have done. No. So I lost the. I've, I would be losing the advantage of being smart about my purchases, about starting okay. what I want to my money on. Don't like that idea. Well, it's it's quite nice so far that uh, there's 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 a, there's a nice list of for and against reasons at the end of this. There's six each. You've you've already nailed a few of them. So we'll come to that and we'll get to them. Um, but to finish off. Capital aspect um, as we talk about. Watching. I've had no prep. This isn't this isn't scripted. I have no idea what he's going to say. Straight off, yeah, um, yeah. So I think, as you said, the problem will be the renters, the the capitalist, 
the capitalist pigs, the ones at the top, the new 1%. You want a new sofa? There's one guy. There's one guy who owns all the sofas. You can go rent from him. So how trusted would they be? I mean, how could we regulate this? Um, yeah, is, is the trade-off worth it? I suppose that's, that's kind of where we would be in that world. It definitely would be a capitalist wet dream. So have we covered the have we covered the benefits? Have you gone through those? I haven't yet. I mean, there's there's been benefits throughout, small bits and pieces. I'm going to summarise them at the end, but I'm trying to go through the aspects, the different aspects of this argument first. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So that's capitalism. There's 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 questions in capitalism, effectively. And again, you could see it. I could see it as communist or capitalist, depends on your viewpoint. But the final aspect is environmental. And this, for me, is the biggest reason why we should or maybe are going to do this anyway. Um, let's take a car, for example. Uh, it spends most of its day sat outside your house or your work. So this lump of metal that we bought um, is useful for maybe 5% of your day at yep. max. Um, and if we instead have a sort of pay-as-you-go car mentality, then we'd only rent the car for our 5%. And in turn, less cars, less problems. You know, environmentalists would be happy. Um, yeah, I can't see that not being a good thing, personally. Um, whatever car you rent, irrelevant, really. Uh, so well, like, that, that fits with the, the Tesla network style thing. That's what they're planning on doing. So, exactly. I think the future will have to go this way, personally. I think if we're going to meet those numbers by 2030, by 2028, which is why I chose 2028, I think we have to really be in this future. Or we're not going to make those numbers. I think for the people that don't have kids, don't have, don't have a, a real reason to need to keep the car the same thing, as in like they don't really store stuff in it. Um, they can just, you know, take their phone, plug it in, and then get, if that's all they really want is the music and stuff that they have on their phone, then I can see them, and I, if I was that, I would definitely go. Well, well, why wouldn't I have if it's you know it's going to cost like a pound or something, some much lower price to um, to go where I need to go? Then why wouldn't I do that? That makes absolute sense. Um, the difficulty is, like I say, yeah, if you have kids and you you generally keep your the kid's bike in the back or whatever in case you need it for whatever reason. Um, well, or, don't, don't forget that's also rented. Uh, yeah, but it's. Yeah. You don't own that bike, huh? You don't own that bike. You're renting was... from wherever you go. So you want you want to go to the lake? Cool, go rent a bike at the lake. Right, I see. Okay, um, yeah, but I I don't want to rely on other people to provide what I need. So like you know, I I want if I have got a bike that fits him that he likes, it's his favourite thing, and it makes him want to ride it because it's got a basket on the front. Whatever, there's going to be reasons why I'm going to want to own some stuff. And if I want that stuff in my car because it's important, relevant, whatever, then I want the option of owning that car. But I could, as you say, I could lease it. And if it's like, you know, one of an autonomous Tesla, then uh, I, we, can, we can combat the environmental element of the fact that the car is stuck on the driveway by saying, if anyone else needs a car, the car can just go drive itself to them for them to use it. And I'm, 
I'm fine with that. Although that is my stuff being driven around in the car, which I may not like. So, so that's why you probably wouldn't keep in the car that you progress past that. Effectively, the Tesla network is you buy the Tesla and then it pimps itself out to pay for itself. Is that kind of how it works? Yes. Yeah. But obviously so you then, can have it so that you have stuff in the boot. Maybe the boot doesn't, can't get unlocked unless it's by you. Yeah. It might yeah I mean, like Airbnb is, you know, for example, people often say, don't go in this room or don't go in the attic. You know, the people have stuff in there. Yeah. And if you have insurance policies, if someone did nick your bike, you got an insurance policy. Yeah. And at the point that you're earning X amount of pounds because uh, the car's driving around for you and earning money, then it, at this point, it's, is it, is it worth me putting, if I use my car seat once a week, is it worth me taking a car seat out in the boot once a week for the sake of an extra 50, pounds a week? All right. Yeah. yeah. Fine. So yeah, I can, I, I'm totally on board with that concept for the environment. Cool. So car's an easy one. I think it's an obvious example. Um, how, how would we apply this to other things? I mean, for example, the category of anything we would class as a tool, I think is an obvious one. I mean, a car's a tool, a phone's a tool. How about like a hammer, for example? Like how many, how many of us own a hammer and how many of us actually use it? <laughs> uh, I think more people probably own screwdrivers and stuff, perhaps more than a hammer, but um, I would imagine quite a few people have some basic tool toolkit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm thinking hammer because it's, it's, it's one that everyone always has, but it's rarely used. A screwdriver's at least, at least once a year putting batteries in stuff for Christmas. But a hammer, like, yeah, you don't really nail things anymore. You've got screws in things, especially when you've got, like, plasterboard walls. You know, you don't nail nothing. So yeah, it's just... It's the difference between can you do, it, can you do stuff yourself or could you have to get someone else to do it for you? Um, and obviously, perhaps my age group, yours, um, might be more willing to do it themselves, whereas the younger's millennials are probably perhaps i'm not one but um probably less so probably expect to have that done by someone else professional but again it's more expense and sometimes it's not worth the expense but i mean this this is an entire new gig economy right there which is another capitalist wet dream i suppose where you have a shop now that you can rent any tool you want i mean these are everywhere say so i can go in and get a hammer 50 pence you know, whatever. Pay 50 pounds, I get a hammer for the day, bring it back later. Post it to the letterbox. Uh, when I get there, there's also this guy called Dave who'll uh, come put a shop for me and bring his own tools for a fiver. All right, Dave, come and do that. That's going to be entire how, how new gig been, economy. How are you making it so cheap? What's, the, what's, what's changed yeah. to make the cost go down for human labor? well gig economy for one yeah but that like, doesn't unless the cost of living goes down because you're if you're saying that you're renting and it's cheaper than it is now and therefore the cost of living goes down and therefore we can make our prices lower then i can understand that but if if, if your renting is basically the same effective cost as everybody else then five pounds is not enough money to pay for someone to spend an hour coming to your house and doing stuff well, I'd have to be an hour, but also right now, as you've seen, you know, there's plenty of gig economy things you got right now where like an Uber, you got some guys driven around for 20 minutes. He gets what, three or four quid? He didn't get a lot, but that's, that's his job for that 20 minutes. 
you'll go get someone else and then someone else maybe you'll make six seven quid an hour so he's barely making minimum wage yeah but that's that's a gig people do that right now it's a gig but i don't understand how renting everything is going to change fundamentally change the cost of work i think it'll not necessarily like people's time and money but i think the cost of living will reduce renting will be cheaper than owning i think it has to be i just i don't know what i don't know what drives that down because it, it so a company now owns my house yeah i if i'm earning what i'm earning right now then they there's no influence for them to make them reduce the cost the only way that my cost goes down is if it's like a chicken and egg situation if they make my rent less um then i won't need as earn as much so therefore i can charge lower costs and it will drive everything down but i don't there's nothing in there which drives it down okay maybe maybe think of this world as well that we live in a world that maybe has universal basic income maybe, maybe that solves that problem maybe everyone has a set number which covers your living cost every year everyone does say 10 grand a year so your living costs are catered for anything else is a gig yeah and uh, anything else is optional subscriptions. You want music, you want Netflix. Yeah, whatever. I mean, 20 quid a month, you've got Netflix and a TV. You, you want to say, ah, oh, don't really want a TV in April and March. I want to save 40 quid. Fine, go give it back. Get it again in July. I mean, that's just powerful. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a mad world, but I, I, I think we can see that happening. But anyway, um finish the the environmental angle um if you are in a rental market you'd be upgrading yearly say whenever a new product line comes out uh, i think there'll be less product lines because i think it'll become a lot more streamlined to efficiency rather than um appeal i don't think you'll be marketing appeal anymore um and things will always be more eco-efficient every year than the last I think it's inevitably become that way. It'll become a deciding factor. Um, and renting will allow the turnover of inefficiency to happen very quickly. So that's a very good thing for the environment. You wouldn't be running around in crappy cars. All the cars would be good. Crap cars would be recycled every single year. Yeah. Um, and how about this as well? So discussed it earlier, the textile industry. And we've also discussed it previously as being the second biggest um, problem industry outside of fossil fuels. Rentable fashion. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably go with that, to be honest, to some degree. Yeah, you don't buy your clothes, you don't own them. I mean, if you want, maybe sign up to a package, subscription package in the post, the beginning of the season, you get, you get spring's hottest kit. Here's 20 outfits. After spring, send them back. You get summer. I mean, I'd, quite be, I'd, quite be, I'd be, I would be quite happy with spring two thousand five. <laughs> I don't need the latest stuff. It's all right. You can give me fifteen years ago spring stuff. I don't mind. That's probably still newer than some of my stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I mean, like, as you see with me, I wear basic t-shirts. So, like, let's say there's a tier option. So maybe, maybe wear bronze. Maybe wear five five pounds a month. I'll be yeah, like, I don't know. Copper? What's, what's lower? <laughs> <laughs> a 
whatever the lowest is, we just get a pack of pants, some socks, and a couple of t-shirts every month. And then we send them back every month. And yeah. they just get re- recycled. Don't, don't even wash them. Just like wear them out and just send them back. So, I mean, that, that could be a world. I think rentable fashion is a no-brainer. Just the money saved there. This just is such a pollutant. This whole turnover of crap every season. And if, yeah, if clothes were produced for a season right now and then rented, uh, then returned, recycled and remade, because we have um, recyclable organic cotton, so we could remake garments. One second. Um, so, so may I, if, as a thought uh, question then it, on, on this basis, would you, if you're in the bronze or copper version, um, would you accept secondhand items? that had been checked and decided that they were as good as new, just but they had been used. Would, yeah. If I want to reduce my costs, yeah, why not? I, I care less about fashion, as, as you know, since the same as yourself, so but we you would. You bother that someone else had already worn it. No, I wouldn't. No. So, yeah, so, because I would go, because, I, yeah, I, I don't buy clothes very often. At Christmas, I get given stuff that generally much dictates what I wear for the next year. Um, With your, uh, your Lynx Africa set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very not, uh, I should, you know, I'm very conscious of the fact I need to put more effort into this, but I, I don't. Um, uh, so, and I often have the same t-shirt for uh, a number of years. Um, I could definitely see um, myself signing up to some subscription thing where uh, even if it was secondhand, I would be fine with that. Um, but I'll see someone decide, someone knows my size. Um, and that gets sent to me basically, and then I can send something back um, of the stuff I don't want from last year anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could, but I see these as all, and maybe that is the point of this thing. I, I don't see this as a as a as a unilateral thing that we won't have anything. The world can't have owned items, but I can definitely see there being more and more rented. Stars things I can I can see it happening with the car, um, less so with the house unless it's um, different style of housing, so like tiny houses and things. I can see that working, um, uh, and yeah, so like you know we already yes we're doing it with music, we're doing it with um, Netflix effectively and that sort of stuff. I can see there being more and more things that we have, but I, I could I just can't see it being. You cannot own anything. I think it'll always be down to what does the individual decide is important? Do I decide that actually having the latest clothes is important? Do I decide having clothes from the last five years is important? And if not, am I willing to wear the same Ted Sheep t-shirt for the last, for the next, for 20 years? Then, okay, well then I'm not a renter because <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, very maybe. Obviously we are talking about a black and white future. I mean, not talking about any sort of gray future. And yeah, Summarise at the end. Obviously, grey would be the future. That kind of has to be. But what I'm suggesting, I suppose, would be the extreme end of things that maybe we need to get to if we want to get the environmental benefits. So, I mean, just to summarise the environmental benefits, uh, in this world, we would minimise waste, uh, we would save natural resources, and we would reduce energy consumption. So, not only is this a capitalist wet dream, this is an environmentalist wet dream too. I think this is a win-win world for capitalists and environmentalists. 
Well, I think someone should set up the um. If it doesn't already exist, they should set up the uh, textile one. The car one's yep. coming. Definitely. That, I mean, rentable clothes, rentable fashion, that's an industry ripe for disruption. If I knew anything about it whatsoever, <laughs> we're not the right people for this. <laughs> but there's Probably someone not. out there who, who is. Go to yeah. stop that. Fix it. Well, I mean, like... um. I mean, I, I, there probably is services by now. I still haven't even, even heard of anyone using the, like the STL file. You know what the STL file is? It's like the, the 3D oh, representation. The, the body scan thing. Yeah. yeah. So that, because um, we should be at a point where you can take, you know, take photos of yourself or take a video of yourself just doing that, whatever, with the phone. It gets enough dimensions out of that to know your exact size um, and then submits that off. And then in the post, you get given the clothes that will 100% fit. I mean, I, I had this idea a long time ago. Uh, I'll share it now because I'm never going to do it. Um, the idea of man packs. So just the idea, uh, you sign up for a subscription service, let's say five, 10 pounds a month. Every month in the post, you get a man pack. And all I will have in it is maybe a wig supply of pants, a couple <laughs> of socks, um, Maybe a couple of birthday cards or anniversary card or whatever dates in your calendar that month, and like a pen or something, something you know a man always needs, and that type of stuff. We are generic stuff, mm -hmm. but I think that'll be quite a disruption. Something like as simple as that. I mean, that might already exist now. I have no idea, but well, something I, I, I've always fancied. Hmm? Why, why do I need to order something that gives you a week's worth of what, every week, <laughs> every month? But what, why? I don't know. What, what do you use all the time? No, but, but okay. I, I only buy, only ever, ever buy black socks. And I, if one has a hole in it, I throw that one out. I don't throw the pair out. I throw the one out that's got a hole in it because they're all yeah. black and I can wear them interchange and I don't know either way. Yeah. That's why I only ever buy black socks because that way I don't even have to work out which one belongs to which one. I could just pick up two random ones and go, thanks very much. And they're on my feet before I even have a look. So, yeah. um, so yes, absolutely. I could have um, every few months or so, it would be nice to receive uh, so, some new pants and new, some new socks in the post. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little idea. Um, Long time ago, may already exist now. But either way, to summarize, I'm not sure if we, what we're doing at time, but it might be going quite long. Um, I have falls and against. So I've been summarizing the falls and against. I'm trying to remain neutral in this argument. So falls, um, capitalist wet dream. Uh, we don't need to churn new ideas out so much. Prototypes could serve as products virtually um, until the most popular lines are chosen for rent. So we don't have to have 100 phone choices a year we can have 10 and then they would fit the 10 different types of individual obviously there's some people who miss out but they haven't got to upgrade perhaps maybe they can stick with what they got for another year maybe get two years whatever i'm sure some capitalists have figured that out um point two four is environmental's wet dream so we don't own silly things that we know um depreciate as soon as we buy them. Like obviously you buy a car, depreciates immediately. Um, same with the phone, any technology. Uh, so we only borrow something that we eventually give back and is recycled 
and then we get a new thing which was constructed from that other recycled thing so environmentally i think that's a really good win um another one because yeah. if it's only designed to last for two years while you have it then and there's nothing to stop them from doing that then you well, you're not keeping them for a long time so it's the opposite problem well, I think we already do that. It's called a planned obsolescence and it's built into production already because, again, capitalism. Yeah, but I don't see it being particularly in, in the renting mechanism that would necessarily, unless it's going to get reused by someone else, it's, there's, not, there's no incentive there to make the device last for more than two years. No, so, there isn't. It shouldn't need to. Well, yeah, but that's not... Recycling is never as good as reusing, so I don't think that is good for the environment. It's better if it, that phone was to go somewhere else for for someone else. It's better like for me. I you know I have what Pixel three. You have a Pixel. What is it? One. You start, didn't you order the five? You ordered the five or something? No, I, I I did go for it, but I cancelled it, and instead I bought a new Pixel that's broken at the bottom, so I put a bit of uh, tape on it. Okay. Great. It's actually, um, actually shattered. It's good. So, right. So, I, I had a Pixel 1 up until about a month ago. Um, uh, I would be quite happy to get, have always the 2 behind the current one, if 3 behind the current one. And I'm quite happy with that. So, if someone else has a, you know, wants to be on the gold level and has the latest phone, great. Mm. I'll have that guy's phone in two years from now. So, we, it would still be better if there was that rental system. I agree with that, that if it was that it was going to get passed on, that would be better than if it was that it was always going to get sent back and recycled and then made a new phone because that would mean that we just wasted. Yeah, maybe, yeah that's, that's a really good point. Maybe, maybe the tier system we discussed, maybe that's just a general rental tier system. Maybe we put ourselves in the bronze stage, so we get stuff that's three years old. Yeah. We don't get the, the new thing. We get, we get the silver's cast downs, same as silver gets gold's cast downs. And after us, it gets recycled. So with we could be the last step. With the exception of pants. <laughs> I'd like new ones, please. Well, maybe you can choose your, your rental tier for different categories. But the cool thing is that you could be, and the next four is flexibility. The fact that you could choose that flexible. Like your outgoings on a rental monthly basis could be a hundred quid, could be a thousand quid, whatever you can choose perhaps. You don't have to rent all these things. And yeah, they are generally wants, especially if we live in a world of um, basic, in basic income, which we might do. I mean, that does seem to be, again, the system of society we're going to go, to go towards. All right, so I'll stop uh, with you. Cool. Uh, quality, another four. Uh, I think every year you will have access to better quality items than you otherwise could afford. You're not buying these things outright, therefore you can rent higher quality things that you could never afford. And that's typically what people rent now. They rent cars they couldn't actually buy. And I think that's just the way it works. I think that's okay too. Mm -hmm. um, next bonus, next four is easier budgeting. Money would last longer. Um, you'd know your subscriptions, you'd know the costs. Um, calculations would be straightforward and easy. And yeah, the idea earlier that maybe you just didn't need a TV for two months. Maybe you just need to save some cash so you can cut it out, give it back, and then get it again in a few months' time. Save the money in between. Perfectly fine. Like, mm -hmm. I think stuff like that. 
very powerful. And the final four, number six, is you won't get the depreciation loss. So everything you buy typically depreciates. Only very few things appreciate, such as houses, but most don't. And the against arguments. So the main against is we should instead move towards a buy-it-for-life sustainable consumerism. Sustainable consumerism. So that's the world we should go towards instead, the buy it for life. And ideally, I agree, we should, but quality would need to be super high and the capitalists would be up in arms because if I sell you one form that lasts forever, I can't sell you another form again. So I'm not sure if that system would ever really work until we're in a resource-based economy. Uh, another against is logistics and transport. Um, this would add cost and environmental damage um, because we would need to transport a lot of stuff often. Like right now, obviously it happens, but not across the entire world. If we are churning out phones every single year for everyone, that would need to be logistically transported everywhere, which would cause some damage uh, unless we had like little Argos's dotted around everywhere where you can come in, rent your thing, go out, and see you next time, which would be very cool. I mean, that's definitely what Argo should do. Uh, another against would be owning is cheaper than renting in today's world. And that mentality, I think, will take a long time to shift from. Even if renting does become cheaper, I don't think you'll be seen that way for maybe a generation. Mm -hmm. uh, another one, it doesn't increase your net worth. Renting things doesn't add to you it's, it's a cost liability. it's seen yeah exactly seen as liability um another one to do the same sort of method is you won't get the appreciation value so yeah you bought a house that house might go up in value over the years but you don't get that the person's rented to you does so they they bank on you effectively and finally i think you've said it earlier is you have nothing to pass on to your children so that's six for, six against. Kind of puts us a nice dead in the middle. So to summarize, we can all live in an Airbnb and get an automated Uber back and forth. Uh, that's great for capitalists, great for environmentalists, bad for certain parts of society and our psychological feelings of ownership and security. Um, but it could be what saves us. That could be that magic bullet, the, the radical thought that gets us past those numbers we need not to turn this planet into Venus, basically. So maybe this radical thought experiment has given us some ways to think about different ways. In, in overall, in summary, on balance, could you live in this world happily? Um, not the extreme version, no. Um, but I now think there should be an Amazon equivalent where you can sign up to these subscriptions for stuff. The company involved would um, provide the choice. So it would, it would only, uh, for example, let's say it was a phone. It would be phones that have a tendency to last a long time, the ones that are built well ones that uh, don't have reputation for deteriorating quickly, um, which would then encourage 
those companies to try and build better products if they want to be on that network. And then people like us could go to that work. So actually, I would like a new phone every three years. I would, I'd like to be in the bronze version. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah, so that would be my, my thing. And then every three years I would get given a three year old phone. Um, but the company would give me a choice of, but only a limited choice of the ones like I said, that are past their quality tests. Um, and then you could do the similar things with other, other products basically. So I think actually there could be, I could, I, I could see that being a website that does very, very well. Cause I think yeah. I would probably sign up for that. <laughs> I, I think after it has come in, um, I think whether we all agree or not, I think it's come in. I kind of feel like there's a certain level of this required. Um, as we discussed Germany and Switzerland, they feel differently to us about a lot of ownership reasons. So I think societies will change. But overall, I'm kind of with you. I prefer a gray world, not this extreme. I don't think I'll be too happy in this world, but um, a gray version where most things subscription, like definitely cars, but I don't know if I can give my house up. That'll be a, that'll be a, a line for me. Yeah. But that's all I have. So hopefully that's, uh, that's made some people have a little think about that. It's a good yeah. thought experiment. And someone, if you want to make that website, because I'm probably not going to do it myself. <laughs> but you've already got a customer in me. Put your comments down below. Tell me what the link is, and I will sign up to get my order of pants. Right. right. Well, I guess we'll leave it there, shall we? Thank you yes. very much for watching. Remember to think, educate, and act, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.